Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source of info for insights and best practices in digital health and digital transformation. Join host Patty Padmanabhan, CEO of Demo Consulting and co-author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how technology, consumerism, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with leading practitioners of healthcare and technology. This podcast is sponsored by HealthNext, the enterprise-class virtual care platform from Tech Mahindra Health and Life Sciences. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. This is Patty, and it is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Anshul Pandey, VP and CTO of Stanford Children's Health. Anshul, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Thanks, Patty. It's uh, it's great to be talking to you and uh, and all the good work you've been doing has been well received and uh, appreciated. Thank you so much for that. So let's dive right in. Could you give us a little bit of an overview of uh, some of the digital programs that are currently operational at uh, Stanford Children's? Yeah, so our digital journey has been there for many years now. We were in the forefront of what was happening from a digital perspective for pediatrics. And some of the things that we did, it made sense for us very early on to start investing in terms of thinking about how to do remote monitoring, how to get that data, and then how to make the clinician's life easy in terms of being able to use that data that was coming from digital monitoring programs. Right now, like everybody else, telehealth expanded considerably for us. And likely so, and the work right now has been around ensuring that we still retain very high levels of telehealth post-COVID. So as a good example, there's a massive work group behind the scenes to understand what happens post-COVID and what will be the barriers for us to stay at high levels of telehealth. And then how do we eradicate those barriers, right? Whether they're regulatory barriers, billing barriers, or experience and equity barriers. So that's really huge for us. And then besides just the telehealth and the remote monitoring portion, there's a ton of work going on in terms of uh, process improvement and process optimization, as well as new business ideas in terms of how we use digital to take care of patients a different way and to integrate and connect and attract patients from all over the country, if not the world, for things that we do better than anybody else. And after that, once they have had the procedure to be able to take care of them remotely while their local physicians take care of their day-to-day needs, as the case may be. Yeah. Now, you're a children's hospital, and uh, obviously your population is a little bit different from uh, adult populations. So what makes your population unique when it comes to enabling care using telehealth and remote monitoring and other digital health tools? Yeah, so one of the interesting things is, and it's a good thing, is that kids overall are healthy, right? So all the things that we as adults have that are usually tied to how we took care of our bodies or did not take care of our bodies or or genetic factors, kids usually don't see that. So the biggest challenge is the the number of, the end for us is really, really low, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example. We're We're working on a program to be able to do electrocardiograms at home that we could give that machine to a to a parent and say you know get us these images remotely and the end for that program is probably 12 or 15 at most in a year right so the the programs are are really unique in terms of the size of them 
which also makes it more complex because the biggest challenge we have faced is that a lot of the devices are really, especially on the on the home monitoring front, are really not made for kids because the financials don't work out for the monitoring companies who develop them. So, so we are we're kind of an afterthought, which makes some of these things even more challenging for us to to build, design, and develop. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. In many ways, even though your patients are children, the users of the technology may be the parents. And Correct. so you're designing both for the children and for the parents. That makes it a very unique dynamic, I imagine. Absolutely. And it's it's a fidelity issue too, right? So if you think about just a simple thing as a as a weighing machine, the fidelity we're looking for is a, a newborn where, you know, we're looking at grams of fidelity, not pounds of fidelity as an example. So that's interesting and challenging by itself. And then to ensure that a parent can handle it and then the data can be sent from a, a remote device back to us. So yeah, definitely some very, very unique challenges in terms of getting all of those pieces to work together. Yeah. So let's talk about the technology itself and your role as CTO. How do you go about assessing your technology choices when you're implementing digital programs? And what do you see as the role of the enterprise IT system, the EHR system as an example, in your digital roadmap? Yeah, so, you know, it's not just the EHR, probably five or six core technologies that we think as our basis for almost everything. And any time we have a unique problem that comes from our business or from our clinicians to say, look, we want to do X, one of the first things is to say, okay, how do we design for X and how do we solve it? But more importantly, with the solution set that we have, whether it's the EHR or the ERP system or our telehealth platform, is to say, can these things somehow provide that solution? And then the next part comes in and say, if the answer is no, then who can do it? At that point, it's a buy versus build decision. And in a, in a lot of cases, it is, yes, we think this vendor can provide the underpinnings for it, but we may have to build a brand new connector that has never been done before. Uh, but the thought process, again, use the core technologies that are available today with partners that we have had long relationships with or find a new partner and then subsequently looking at what we have to build in-house by our own developers. So let's talk about a specific case here. So today, uh, EHR systems have evolved over the last several years, and they now offer a lot more functionalities that would be considered digital functionalities. So when you're left with a choice of using a quote-unquote native capability from your core EHR system, is that your default, or do you look at alternate solutions that may be best in class, standalone solutions. And after all, you're in Silicon Valley, there's no dearth of standalone solutions, <laughs> uh, innovative solutions. How do you make those trade-offs? Where do you begin? Could you walk us through a little bit of the thinking uh, when you come to this kind of a situation? Absolutely. So I'll preface with an example that we just brought online a few weeks ago. One of the things we were struggling with with telehealth was the whole structure around telehealth was built on a patient getting a message through the patient portal, which means that they have to have an email, right? And one of the things we found out from our our patient community was from an equity perspective, a lot of people had smartphones, but not every smartphone owner had an email address. So how do you ensure that you can still send a telehealth visit information or a a starting URL on text, right? 
And so our answer is, well, let's go to the EHR group and find out, have they done something like this before? Is there a solution that they have available? And the answer is no, they don't. We said, okay, let's go to our telehealth group and find out if that vendor has a solution for it. And the answer was no, because if you think about it, the vast majority is using emails as a starting point for, for a conversation, including you and me talking about it today. And then we start saying, okay, we have to send texts. Let's figure out with our with our text messaging system provider. And they said, yes, we can, but I need this information from you. And finally, we ended up creating our own bridge. Within an EHR today, a provider can say, I have a choice to start my telehealth visit by sending a message to the patient and their families via email or via a text message. And you know that required all of that work to happen and some amount of development from our side to actually make it into a reality. Wow. These are some of the assumptions that we, that we live with, right? I would never have thought that you could have a, a section of your population that owns smartphones but does not have an email ID. And that is just simply beyond my my thinking, at least. And, but it's very illustrative and informative because digital health, implementing digital health solutions from everything I hear is about all these small things. You know, you're trying to cover everyone in your population, not just a certain section of your population and you have to take care of everybody. So coming back to the topic of the technologies, now you, you talked about the fact that you're looking at four or five technology platforms as the core, including the EHR platforms. When you talk about digital experiences and creating the digital front end experiences, there is a lot of tools that either are native to EHR or you're getting it from the outside or you're building it yourself. What about the backend infrastructure that needs to be in place for all of these solutions to work well, work seamlessly, and for the user, whether it is a caregiver or a patient, to feel like this is all intuitive, easy to use, and is working? Yeah, that's a that's a huge problem. You know, when we when we started on the telehealth journey several years ago, one of the things we were realizing very early is that this is the first time we are actually going out of our comfort zone of our clinics and our hospitals where we could actually manage that experience. Uh, we were managing the network. We were managing the device. We were managing prioritization even within the network to say, you know, this traffic should go first or, and all. And and we were reaching a point where we were like, gosh, we don't control half of the journey. We absolutely don't control the the patient's device. We don't control what network they're on. We don't control how buggy or busy that network is and how many other things are running on it, right? And so there are really two thought processes out there around solving it. One is on the core infrastructure side. It's like, what can you do to make it better? And how do you solve that particular problem? And, and we did a lot of work on our own infrastructure side to say, okay, how do you scale up? What happens when you have to have, instead of 20 visits a week, to thousands and thousands of visits happening a week. Yeah. And can your network and your sub substructures actually scale up to it? But then the second part was a conversation with the with the software vendors to say, how do you handle network drops? What happens when a patient moves from Wi-Fi to a 4G to a 3G? And how do you gracefully handle 
that experience for a provider and for a provider as well as a patient because there'll be frustration on both sides, right? If you're not able to have an optimal experience. So a lot of work went into just understanding the differences in terms of how the software layers are designed. And it led to us actually changing our uh, our telehealth platforms midway through COVID uh, because we saw one platform performing much, much better than our um, than our existing one. But those are things you have to continue to do. There, there are software companies that are leapfrogging each other and, and you got to take advantage of it. And it's more so than ever in the, in the virtual cloud space where the speed of innovation has increased tremendously. And at the same time, the options that are available are, are, are more too. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those emerging technologies. What excites you now, both when you talk about the front end, that is the experience layer, and at the back end, which is at the infrastructure layer. Yeah, front end there's been there's been quite a bit of work. I think on the device side, we are we are super excited with our partnerships with Apple. They're doing some really, really interesting things, including dropping their device prices. That that makes it more palatable for us to be using them uh, within our systems. We are super excited with what we're doing with Zoom on the telehealth side. They have really created a platform that has not only caught um, you know the public's attention, but it's actually very, very usable and scalable and robust from a telehealth perspective. We are also looking at a number of groups, whether it's Automation Anywhere or UiPath or Olive, which provide different frameworks for, for RPA and AI-based RPA, which is getting to be very, very exciting. And then some of the things that are coming from, from Twilio and Well, in terms of the patient engagement side and the and the connectivity with the patient across multiple platforms is, is super exciting. What about voice? Are you using voice in any meaningful way? That's a good one. Voice has been something that we are still looking at to see how it plays out. One of the most interesting things is the population we are in. So there are two languages that really dominate the market we are in, English and Spanish. But then right after that, we have another 30 or 40 languages where we have populations from all over the world and therefore are just as important to communicate with the patient and and have that conversation. And that's the piece where voice has become an interesting conundrum for us to solve is that do we bring an interpreter most of the times into the conversation or is there a better way of handling it? And we haven't really solved that problem yet from a communication perspective. So it's an ongoing issue and uh, it's an ongoing journey in terms of um, how we are pushing and proding our our software providers to say, how are you going to help us solve this part of the journey, which is really, really important to actually have that meaningful communication between the provider and the patient. Yeah. What about the risks? Now we talked about, you know, all the companies that you mentioned, some of them are very mature at one end of the spectrum. The others are very young companies, uh, in many cases, uh, possibly VC-funded, and uh, comes with the challenges of financial and technology risks. So how do you manage them? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think it goes into uh, part of when we are doing the selection process, right? So we are looking at understanding, will these companies be sustainable, Look, we are not a innovation hub or anything where we actually provide the seed funding and stuff like that. Several of our partners are doing it and great organizations. Cedars has a phenomenal program. Uh, Providence has a phenomenal program. Cleveland has had a program for a long time around it as well. So, you know, that's not our MO. So we are not looking for really, unless it's a very unique one-off solution to be looking at that earlier stage 
But that comes into the conversation when we are selecting a partner to say, you know, what's your sustainability like? Can you actually continue to support us for multiple years and mature with us, especially if you're looking at an, at an emerging area? And there's conversations around, you know, how is, uh, what is the financial stability or viability of the organization? What is the, and what's the excitement level of the market around it too? Uh, so all yeah. of those things get into that decision-making process for sure. Alongside these, these kinds of risk uh, mitigation aspects that you just talked about, what about the financial side of it? Have you changed the way you look at building business cases for these kinds of tools, considering where you're headed as a, as a digital first or a predominantly digitally enabled organization? Are there trade-offs that you need to make today and make them from a strategic perspective as opposed to a hard ROI? Has anything changed? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It has changed a bit, right? So COVID has done a few things. One, it has allowed us to experiment much, much more rapidly. It's also allowed us to fail much, much more rapidly and move on, right? So fail fast, get comfortable with experimentation. And, and that's been wonderful. Without those two things happening, I don't think we could have made the number of number of useful changes from a technology perspective in the organization. Regarding the ROI piece, I, I think that's the other interesting thing. Certain things are now considered obvious and part of how we need to run our business. In fact, our entire executive leadership team is very gung-ho on, on digital first across the board, right? So they have bought in, our boards have bought in. And, and this was before COVID, by the way, from our own journey perspective. So the discussions are slightly different. I think the discussions are are not always about ROI. And, and ROI comes into play. There's there's no question about it. But ROI comes into play when we are looking at a replacement of X to Y. I think in other cases, ROI is discussed when we are looking at a brand new idea to say, okay, if we have to really pitch this idea, how much does it have to scale before we are actually making money on it? Right. And so that gives you at least a clear line in terms of what the adoption has to be, what the usage has to be for something to be actually meaningful and valuable, which is always a good thing from a business perspective. But yeah, we are we are experimenting a lot more and there's a lot more thought to saying if it is a good idea, let's let's invest in it. Yeah. And you're right there in the middle of uh, Silicon Valley where you have ample opportunity to experiment with new technologies, if nothing else. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to experiment with you. Okay, we're coming up to the end of our time here, Anshul. This has been fascinating. I want to leave you with one last question here. If you had to share one best practice with your industry peers who are on their digital journeys, what would it be? Oh, that's a that's an interesting one. I think engagement is important. So connect with different parts of your organization and come up with a with a single mission for your organization. That has helped us tremendously. It gives a lot of clarity when when your CEO is providing the vision of what what digital means, and what digital could look like for your organization. And it also helps you through the peaks and valleys. Uh, it's it's a long journey, and you will have peaks and valleys. But having that commitment from the very top helps tremendously. With that, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. But it's been such a, a pleasure speaking with you, Anshul. Thank you so much for setting aside the time, and all the very best to you and your team. Likewise, Patty. It's great talking to you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Healthcare Digital Transformation Leader. Write to us at info at with your feedback and questions.